Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined here by Max Mallow and we have a super exciting review for you today. We're going to be talking about Scream, Scream 5, Scream 2022, whatever you want to call it, 5 Cream as we refer to it on this podcast for no reason otherwise other than it's just funny. Um, and we had a lot riding on this movie. We've talked about it plenty of times. So going into it, we might have been a little bit nervous, but it's safe to say we're relieved with the final product. We both really enjoyed it, and we're super excited to talk about it. Yeah, I loved this movie. Um, I've said before, Scream is my favorite horror movie of all time. It was my gateway into horror, as I'm sure it was for a lot of people in our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and... On our, you know, 2022 look ahead video or episode rather, I was worried. I was like, I don't want this movie to suck, and that's probably a hangover from Halloween Kills, which yeah. is a little unjustified considering how good 2018 was. But I was really worried because this movie franchise means so much to me in my love for horror, my love for the genre, and there's even you know outside of my own concerns, right? Making a movie. Um, in a, in a franchise that Wes Craven was so known for after he had passed, and there was a lot of questions about should they make the, another Scream movie um, after mm-hmm. his death. And walking out of the theater, I was so happy. I was, like, overjoyed with how good this movie was. Um, there are some things wrong with it, right? There's a little bit of criticism, but for me, this is the strongest movie since the first one, in my opinion. I haven't seen two or three in a while. Three... Is not yeah. going to be up there, but two I feel like um, is still very good. Again, I haven't seen it in a while. I like four as well, but this one was the closest to the first one in my opinion in terms of overall quality, um, the the performances, the story, the motive behind everything. We're going to get into a huge spoiler review, so yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to this episode because there's so much to unpack with this. Um, I've been like going down a huge YouTube rabbit hole like <laughs> Drew Barrymore had the legacy characters on um, David Arquette, mm-hmm. Courtney Cox and, and Nev Campbell she interviewed the, the new cast um, Jamie Kennedy reacted to it in like a two part YouTube uh, video which was really cool to see you know how he obviously his character Randy has been dead for, for three movies now but mm-hmm. to see him react to it and have his like overwhelmingly positive response to it Made me really happy. Um, and then just to couple that with what we were talking about, where this was by far the worst theater experience yeah. I ever had watching a movie, which is so sad, but also speaks to how strong of a movie this is. Because 
I had the most bizarre circumstance happen to me ever. And I've explained it to a lot of people, and I'm going to explain it on this episode because people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Did like, someone yeah. cough on you or something? Like, no. Like, oh, man. So I went to a movie theater that I normally don't go to, and I know you had an unpleasant experience as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I went to a movie theater I normally don't go to anymore. I like going to this, this small local theater because it's not really packed. Obviously, you know, we're still in the middle of COVID and stuff like that. Yeah. But we had to go to a larger theater because the smaller theater was shut down temporarily due to COVID cases, which was also a little weird because they were still advertising times online for their for showing, <laughs> especially for Scream, which had just came out like two days ago prior to this. So yeah. I was a little confused on that. But regardless, went to this theater, sat down. Halfway through the movie, and I'll call out when we go into our spoiler review what part of the movie it was. This person walks into the theater, out loud, spoils who the killer is, laughs with his friends, and leaves. And oh my Uh. god, I have not been able to get this off of my chest and let it go since Sunday. I'm still so upset about it. Like, and like, oh, it's not the same thing. Um, I guess in like a modern mainstream world, right? With how mm-hmm. big Marvel is. But I remember seeing viral videos of people walking out of seeing Endgame and spoiling the end of that. And like people like that getting jumped by people oh online God. and just beating them up. Because like what what <laughs> yeah. causes you to do that? And I had to tweet about it and it was, what's the point of tweeting about anything, right? But I was like, <laughs> like you took yeah. this away from me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. That's really, really brutal. Did people in the theater react or like... So the guy said it. This one woman after that goes, shh. (laughs) And I was like, you did nothing. You solved... Like, you know, the type of person I'm sure in school when kids were talking would Mm -hmm. go, shh. And like, you're just making more noise by doing that and drawing more attention to it. So no one like overly reacted, but I was like, oh no, please don't be exactly what you just said, what's going mm-hmm. on on the screen right now. Because I was like, the way he described it wasn't completely obvious. So mm. there was still some ambu- ambiguity in, ter- in terms of the spoiler. But okay. I'll explain it when we get into our review. It ruined everything. Um, now, your experience. Because your experience yes. also sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did have an annoying experience. So this theater was packed. I went to just a, a local theater that had a bunch of showtime. So I went there and it was pretty packed, similar to Halloween Kills. I think those two movies were the most packed um, theaters I've been in since COVID started. But the person next to me was with their friend and they were speaking just at regular volume the entire movie which was just so damn annoying. I was just telling Max that like I literally just like had my hand to my ear the entire time and they didn't catch on and I'm not someone that's going to be like, hey, can you be quiet? But I probably should have just in a nicer way because it was very, very annoying. It's, yeah, it's like I understand, you know, <laughs> living during COVID and experiencing all we're experiencing. I think people, safe to say, have kind of forgotten how to, be socially yes. normal at times. You mm-hmm. know? Like, if you're watching a movie at home with your friend, you can speak at normal volume and, like, you know, just dissect things, ask questions, however you act. But, yeah, that's not what you do in the movie theater. You whisper if you need to or, like, elbow someone, like, oh, that was cool. 
That's it. I just, I never understand. <laughs> like, I'm glad that, like, I went to go see with my girlfriend because, like, I just, like, will squeeze her hand if something cool is happening. Yeah. Or anything like that. Yeah. Or if she's, like, you know, getting queezed out by some of the gore, I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, that's all we got to do. Like, I never understand the need whatsoever to open your mouth and speak during yeah. a movie. Just, ugh. Also, like, I was zoned in. I was mm-hmm. so into this movie at this point. I mean, like, the way, like, my immersion was just, like, disabled by this person has just, that like, it has ticked me off, like, immensely. And I will probably not let it go. And this will be always be tied to this movie for me. So Now you just have to go see it again, and then the next experience will be better, hopefully. And then you'll remember that more. Yeah, I really want to see it again. This, like, me too. I also want to buy it on, like, DVD. Is that a thing? Blu-ray? <laughs> like... Oh, man. Anyway, so those are our theater experiences. But let's get into talking about the movie. Um, Scream, also known as Scream 5. Um, five Cream, like you said. Uh, 2022 American slasher film directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler... Uh, is it Gillette or Gillette? Gillette? Yep, sorry. You know, we never pronounce names correctly, uh, <laughs> which is bad. We should probably fix that. Um, but they are part of uh, the awesome team known as Radio Silence, uh, which produced uh, and directed uh, the 2019 slasher film Ready or Not, which was also awesome. Um, So for those who saw that they were working on this movie, you know, some of their worries about it might have been alleviated because Ready or Not was such a smash hit. Uh, You and I both love this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was written written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. So the fifth one, Obviously titled is the same as the original. And this movie uh, does not act in the same way that Halloween 2018 did. Um, Mm -hmm. It is a direct sequel to Scream 4, so it is a continuation. There's no wiping of any storylines or any narratives, which I really appreciated. Um, And it's the first one not directed by Wes Craven, uh, of course, uh, after his passing. Um, There's a touching tribute at the end of the movie uh, to Mm -hmm. Wes, which is great. Um, And... Yeah, this movie slaps. This movie's awesome. <laughs> um, I am so happy with how it came out. Um, it knocked Spider-Man off the top box office number, um, mm-hmm. which is big. Um, it's grossed over $53 million as we're speaking, which is great considering COVID times and everything like that. Um, uh, yeah, it's been a week or less than a week. Yeah, um, and I... I just, I don't know. I just love this movie. I want more of them. I want Radio <laughs> Silence to do more of these. There's so much to enjoy in this movie. There's so much to break down. Um, the cast as well is phenomenal. Like, this is probably my favorite overall cast since the first one as well. I think all the yeah. characters get ample time to explain themselves, have enough development. Their performances are great. I want to see them in more movies. There's probably things... Um, there, I know there's things that I haven't seen that some of these uh, actors have been in, which I want to watch now. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, nah, this movie's amazing. I could go on and talk about how amazing <laughs> this movie is, Natalie, so please say something. <laughs> no, I agree. I think it is my favorite sequel, so the best since the first one. And I'm with you. I haven't seen the second one in a very long time. Um, and I did rewatch the fourth one in prep preparation for this one, and I, I enjoyed the fourth one. It didn't really do anything for me, though. So this one definitely takes uh, a really high spot. And 
I think, like, you know, it's hard not to compare this to Halloween because we just got new movies from both franchises. But I think this really, really works because it's not reboots and whatever the hell, reversing the canon and restarting the story. It's not confusing. It's just another sequel, X amount of time later, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, like, they're back and they're not the main characters anymore. But they're in there, and I think it really, this movie succeeds because of that. Yeah, it feels modern. The writing behind it and the directing and the meta commentary it has on modern horror is brilliant. It feels mm-hmm. authentic. It doesn't feel like disingenuous or anything like that. Um, and like this movie explains so much of what we've talked about on this podcast, right? Like the, the name uh, Requel. It's thrown yeah. around in the movie, which yes. is amazing. Oh my gosh. I was dying laughing and thought about you because so we good. make fun of it so much. Yeah, so now it's officially called the requel. That's what we have to call it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks to uh to Mindy, one of the characters in the film, who is uh played by Jasmine Savoy Brown, who is amazing. So good. And she's in Yellow Jackets, right? Yeah. I haven't watched that yet. My girlfriend's watching it, I think, and she said it's awesome. I need to watch it. Um It's really good. Because she's fantastic in this. Um so I want to see her in that. Um, you know, the idea of legacy characters, I think, is an mm-hmm. awesome term um, for describing Gail Dewey and, and, uh, and Sydney. It's, yeah. It just does everything that you want as a horror fan. Um, and you can nitpick things, and I'm sure we'll nitpick some things here and there. Like, there are some moments that didn't land for me. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I'm so excited to talk about it. I've been waiting all week <laughs> to talk about it. Um, and yeah, um, should we get into it? Yeah, let's talk about the opening scene because, like every scream movie and every stab movie, the opening scene starts off exactly the same way. There's a main character who is getting terrorized by Ghostface over the phone, and usually they die or someone dies. In this, uh, Jenna Ortega plays one of the main characters, Tara. She doesn't die, which was awesome to see because she's a really good actress, and I think she had such a strong performance in this movie. So I was excited about that. But yeah, Tara, opening scene. I loved the opening scene. What did you think? Yeah, this is by far the strongest opening since the first one for me. I -hmm. do love the movie theater scene in Scream 2. Yeah. Um, And if you asked me like a year or two ago, I liked the fourth one with how overly stupidly meta it was. Me too, yeah. But I don't think it's held up over time. Yeah. Um, like I love seeing Anna Paquin in it and Kristen Bell, but it is a little silly. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's Amy Teagarden talking about like her IQ and GPA and stuff like that is to a reason why Ghostface shouldn't kill her or why she'll outsmart Ghostface. And I'm like, this doesn't really hold up because... Stop talking. Yeah. Like, one, you get the element of also, like, we, as a legacy character, like, Roger L. Jackson is 100% as much of a legacy mm-hmm. character as uh, Gail, Dewey, and, and Sydney. It's so good to hear his voice as Ghostface. Like, yeah. And this opening performance is so good because he's, like, masking who he is in terms of, like, oh, I'm a friend of your mother's from, you know, group mm-hmm. or something like that. And it gets into that whole vibe of the first one we're talking about scary movies and stuff like that. And Jenna Ortega delivers this awesome performance of talking about 
elevated horror and what's popular nowadays, like Hereditary and The Babadook and The Witch mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff, which is, again, if you're a horror fan, you'll appreciate it, um, as you should, because it's meta. It's a commentary on the genre as a whole. Um, and her ta- uh, her character, Tara, has this super long conversation and much like Drew in the first one comes to a realization um, of okay, this person is not who they say they are. They are, this is sketchy, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and she has also like uh, a dueling conversation going on with her friend Amber, who she's Mm -hmm. texting and then realizing that Ghostface has spoofed her number and is uh, conversating with her on both uh, the landline and the phone, which I guess for some, if you want to nitpick here, it's like, why do people this age still have a landline in this time? Yeah, but some people do though. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't, but yeah, exactly. You do. So yeah, it's, it's, it's rang a couple times during <laughs> our podcast recordings, but, um, you know, that, that's silly nitpicking at that point. Um, and yeah, it's, it's high tech, right? Like she's got modern technological alarms that yeah, will lock all the doors in her house. Dope. Um, and there's an awesome parallel here that I might want to highlight as terms of what my theories were going on in the movie, um, mm-hmm. in terms of the whodunit. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, doors lock, doors unlock. It's in the trailer. Yeah. And you get this awesome chase scene. And immediately, this ghost face is another level. Like, the gore, the violence, the, like, the meaning behind, like, the sta- like the attacks and the stabbings. Yeah. It's on another elevated level, so to speak. Um, and, the, like, th- these two ghost faces and the, the kills and the way Radio Silence did it. It's phenomenal. The gore in this movie is awesome. Yeah, it is really gory. I really love this, the opening scene. I feel like this one and the first movie are the most horror openings, if that makes sense. Like, I remember watching the first movie back in the day, back when I was younger, and I remember Scream being billed as, like, a, a comedy. Like, it's funny, it's meta, you know. But the opening scene is not funny. It's really scary and disturbing, and so is this one. And I really love how they did that. Yeah, um, and yeah, the big the big swerve in the beginning is that the main character doesn't die. Um, yeah. Or the 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 opening character doesn't. The die. opening, yeah, you and know, I love that. Drew Barrymore, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, the amount of characters that are in the fourth one, and then obviously <laughs> Cotton Weary and his um, and his girlfriend in the third one, they all die. So immediately, I'm like, "Oh, interesting! You survived! Like, I'm onto you! Like, yeah. that made me immediately suspicious of <laughs> Tara as a ghost face, um, which was cool because right from the get go, I'm like, "All right, cool. Who's ghost face? Like, time to figure it out." Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, awesome opening, the best one since the first one. Has the same yeah. vibe as the first one as well, um, mm-hmm. and we go to meet. Um, Melissa Barrera, uh, who plays Sam, uh, who is hanging out outside of a bowling alley, I believe, um, mm-hmm. where she works. Um, and uh, we come to learn that Sam is Tara's sister and has learned that she's been attacked at Woodsboro, so she wants to go home. Um, and we also meet uh, Richie, who's played by Jack Quaid, who is phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he is he's so a good. good. Actor. Um, he is uh, Sam's love interest. And also wants uh, to go back home with her so that, you know, they can take care of um, Tara after after her attack and she's in the hospital. So um, immediately off the rip, 
We've met three characters. Were you suspicious of anybody? No, I honestly wasn't. Even the Tara thing, like, it makes sense why she would be suspicious if she survived. But, no, I wasn't suspicious of anyone yet. Um, I will say some criticism. Just the intro of Sam and Richie, I felt was just a little cheesy. The dialogue, I did not love at all. I was kind of like, ugh, that was a little forced or cheesy. Um, so that's one one criticism, one of maybe like two <laughs> of the whole movie that I didn't really enjoy. And I don't know if it's uh, Melissa Barrera as an actress specifically or just the lines she had. I was just like, oh, girl, what are you doing? This is not good. But I did come to really love Sam as a character later on, which I know you and I talked about um, before this. So that's my little nitpicking. I didn't like the dialogue. I didn't love the acting. But I think Jack Quaid is a really, really strong actor in general. So I was like, all right, I'm willing to let this slide. Let's go on into until the next part. And I think, too, kind of um, the next part, we meet a lot of people really, really early on, which I think is kind of reminiscent of past movies as well. We always get the intro. We see people who are close to the person in the opening scene. And then we also get like their friend group at school. So it's kind of following the formula, but also in a different way, which I really loved. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on that. Like, at first, I really loved Tara. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't that fond of Sam. But as the movie grew, I became more suspicious of Tara. Mm. and more fond of Sam. Like, Sam, Sam's character definitely grows into this movie. Uh, yeah. Which is good because of the way, in the same way that's, uh, that Sydney grows in the first one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think her performance gets stronger throughout the film. Again, some of the writing is a little cheesy for her character. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, in the future, if she is to return, I'm happy with her being the lead in some aspect or having a play in terms of how you know they want to do a trilogy if they're going to uh with this new cast um so yeah you meet uh, a bunch of characters one uh you meet dylan minette uh, who plays yeah. west hicks um and you know we kind of joked we're like dylan minette's gonna be ghost face right yeah um, and like <laughs> not to spoil who it is or not, but he was really good in this movie. I appreciated his role. Um, he plays the son of uh, Sheriff Judy Hicks, who, mm-hmm. um, through a video I watched on Dead Meat from uh, James and Chelsea when they interviewed the cast, Judy is the only character in a screen movie outside of the original OGs to make it to the next movie. Oh. Isn't that that's crazy? Cool. Isn't yeah, that crazy? That's really cool. Of? Um, so yeah, Wes is her son. Obviously she's known in the fourth one, um, for kind of being a red herring in terms of who Ghostface is and also her lemon squares. Gail famously (laughs) says her lemon squares taste like shit. Um, but, uh, Wes, uh, Amber, uh, who's played by Mikey Madison, who, uh, was also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She is awesome in this movie as well. Uh, you meet the twins, uh, Chad and Mindy, um, Meeks Martin, obviously Meeks, uh, referring to Randy Meeks. Uh, they mm-hmm. are his niece and nephew. Um, Mason Gooding plays Chad and Jasmine Savoy Brown plays Mindy. They are probably my two favorite characters in the entire movie. Um, they yeah. they kill it. They are awesome. Um, and I'll bring up another point later as to why uh, they're both so cool. Um, and then you also meet uh, Liv, who's played by uh, Sonia Benamar, um, 
who is Mason's girlfriend slash love yeah. interest. She's very much um, the Tatum character, the Rose McGowan character uh, mm-hmm. from the first one. Um, and they, like, oddly become super suspicious of her, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's definitely more the outsider of the group just because she's kind of the girlfriend. That's the only reason why she's in the group, it seems. Um, So we don't know a ton about her, and it doesn't seem like the friends know a ton about her, so she might be suspicious. Um, I feel like they were setting up Wes to be suspicious, and of course, we like, we were speculating, like, oh, maybe he's Ghostface just because him as an actor would be funny. I don't know. Um, But I feel like they were trying to make us believe that he could be Ghostface just because he has a crush on Tara that he's not really open about. So it kind of seems like, okay, maybe he's stalking her, maybe not. So there's that in there. Um, And it seems like, I mean, it could be anyone at this point. Yeah. Um, And then you also get a mention of uh, Vince, who's played by Kyle Gallner. Um, who has appeared in another requel, uh, which is the Nightmare on Elm Street one. Um, yeah, I like him. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's good. He's only in it for a short bit, unfortunately, as we'll get to. Um, yep. Kind of stabby, stabby. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love the love the character intros. Very much feels like the first one, hanging out outside yep. of school, talking about what's going on. Um, some people and some things I've listened to have kind of criticized the whole, like, who done it immediately. Like, friends are immediately suspicious of one another. Um mm-hmm. But I kind of agree with it. I feel like living in such a like a paranoid time to begin with, I'm not surprised that all the friends started kind of piling on each other. Um, mm-hmm. And also, we don't really know how good of a friends they all are up until this point. But um, I can see why people had some issues with it. Um, but, you know, they go to visit her. Uh, that's uh, Richie and Sam at the hospital. There's a whole big, you know, reuniting type of thing. You know, it's revealed that Sam babysat a bunch of people because she's the older sister, um, mm-hmm. and she had to leave town. And why did she have to leave town? Well, there's this whole big plot reveal um, very <laughs> on in the early on in the movie, and that is she is um, the daughter of one Billy Loomis. Um, and one, yeah. I'm so happy Skeet Ulrich uh, is in this movie. Um, like Billy Loomis to me is one of the most iconic horror villains of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best performances in a horror movie, yes. bar none. Um, same with Matthew Lillard as as Stu Mocker, but Billy's on a whole nother level. Um, and my immersion almost got taken out here because we get this whole uh, plot device of her <laughs> being able to see visions and talk to her father, uh, her dead father. Yeah. Which was a little weird. What did you think of this? <laughs> Yeah, this is what I I asked you, like, kind of right after you watched the movie, we were having some, you know, initial thoughts, and I was like, what did you think about they really brought him back? Um, And it was a little bit jarring, like, I think you also thought, because I was in the movie, and I'm like, wait, is that actually the actor? Like, what the fuck? How did they just, what? Because there were, weren't there rumors that he was going to come back and same with Randy. And we were like, okay, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah. So I guess this is kind of like the best way <laughs> to bring him back. Um, so I thought it was a little weird, but I also just love him. So I was like, cool, I guess. And I think it works only because it wasn't kind of shoved down your throat. It happened like a few times and that was it. So I feel like if they kept coming back to it, it would be really annoying. Just weird. Right. Um but, you know, her being the daughter of Billy, um, because Billy had cheated on Sydney. Another, mm-hmm. add another thing that one, to, yeah. to Billy's list in terms of being a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Um, but I like that plot device. 
Um, and some of the visions were weird. The de-aging they did on him was pretty good. He looked I, he looked just like it was nineteen like nineteen nineties. So it was creeping me out. Yeah, that's when they first showed him. I was like, oh shit, wait, huh? Is that him or is this just like someone, an actor that looks like him? Or like, what is going on? Yeah, and he was in final form too. White shirt, bloodied all over. Yep. Had the bangs going on. You know, the whole <laughs> pig's blood, psycho. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was fun to see him in there, and I'm glad it wasn't like done in the same way. You haven't seen the new Matrix yet, have you? No, I haven't. Okay, so that movie is real with stupid flashbacks and and cutbacks yeah. to old parts in the movie to like make people remember what's going on which I hated. I so don't like that kind of stuff, yeah. I'm glad he was just thrown in there and was like, okay, you either know who he is or you're going to be told who he is and you have to go with it. So <laughs> I did appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that's a whole big thing and that's the reason why she left town while um, why, you know, um, Tara feels the way that uh, she does about her sister, kind of abandoning her and leaving her to be in this in this town. Um, mm-hmm. So I really liked that. Um, and then... Yeah, from there, um, we got our next, or our first official killing, really, of the movie, um, because the Fens are kind of hanging out at a bar. They're chit-chatting about what's going on, who could be the killer, who to be suspicious of. Um, It's Mm -hmm. in the trailer, that that whole scene. Um, But Vince shows up and is being a creep towards Liv. He is, And Mason's getting really kind of pissed off. And also, his lines are hilarious, because he's not the jock, stupid football boyfriend. Like, that's how mm-hmm. he appears, but he's, because he's Randy's nephew, he's really smart. He's intelligent, he's funny, he's goofy. Um, yeah. And I love his character so much. Mason did such a good job portraying Chad. And he has stupid lines like, oh, you want to fight? I'll introduce you to Hobbs and Shaw. Which I'm like, you're referencing the Fast and the Furious movies, really? Okay. Yeah, that that part actually made me laugh out loud. Yeah, I loved it. Um, But yeah, so there's a little bit of a kerfuffle that goes on here. Um, Vince goes outside, finds that, you know, he's pissing on a wall complaining about the bar because I guess he's, Mm -hmm. you know, just a a bad boy. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, Ghostface ends up sneaking up on him, um, using his car to his advantage. Um, Vince's car, not Ghostface. Um, And uh, nice brutal kill here, you know, classic Mm -hmm. scream. Jump scares, evasions through, you know, camera lensing and stuff like that that we've seen in numerous horror movies. But good, effective kill gets the point across. Bodies are going to start piling up now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this was a a good first kill. Um, It was a character that we're probably not attached to at all. Um, But it's also made you curious of like, okay, what was the point of that? Why, like, why this guy? Is it someone that's in the friend group and doesn't like that he's creepy towards Liv or creepy just in general? Like, it, is it someone they go to school with and knows this guy? It it opened up a lot of questions, and we do get an answer, um, which might be a little bit too convenient of an answer, but we do get an answer. Yeah, we do. Um, and yeah, before we can take our first break, um, the thing that I love about Scream, other than the third one, which makes the third one stand out because Roman is the only ghost face in that movie, um, or maybe there are theories that he had an accomplice somewhere along the line. But, you know, it's always two people, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Everyone who's at the bar didn't kill this person, but maybe someone else did and they weren't there. And who's yeah. the accomplice? So I love I love that. that. That adds another layer to the whodunit. It's not so easy to predict right away. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Um, but yeah, and I think too, did you mention that um, Sam actually does tell Tara that she, her dad, who her true dad is and everything like that? Because yeah. like you kind of said before, uh, Sam left town kind of with no reason. Tara felt like she abandoned her and that's why they had a falling out and were on bad terms. Um, but then when Tara's in the hospital, Sam explains, like, I found out in, like, their mom's diary or journal or something like that who her true dad was. And she said it in front of Tara's dad, and that made him end the marriage. So she felt like it was her fault. She felt like, you know, she didn't want Tara to know who her true identity was and everything like that. And it was interesting because... I did like that Tara was basically just like, no, you suck. I can't believe you didn't tell me that. Because I usually feel like in movies, it's just more convenient to be like, it's okay. It's fine. Like, it's not a big deal when, like, if that happened in real life, that's a huge freaking deal. You just found out your sister's dad is a serial killer. That's a huge game changer. So I'm glad that it didn't kind of, you know, fix their relationship just yet. Yeah. And I appreciate it. It's relatable to real life, right? Like, being the child of someone famous for you know un, well, bad I don't want to say unsavory it's very bad he was a serial killer but you know in mm. real life like you know we see the children of 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 famous people you know either reject their their upbringing or they mm-hmm. become famous off of it so I totally believed um, what was going on immediately with the, the dynamic between the two sisters um, and I appreciated that Richie like from here on out like tries to become like <laughs> Like the research guy, because he's like, I have no clue what's going on, so I'm just going to watch all the stab movies, which I find is hilarious. I know. He's like, I'm just watching Netflix. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So our next big scene that we have, we get to meet one of the OG characters again, which is super exciting. But let's take our first quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, I've always just had a really, really soft spot for Dewey since the beginning. He's just such a sweetheart, and... He has kind of a different life now. He's not the sheriff. He's not a cop. He is depressed, jobless, living in a trailer. Yeah. Um, obviously a meta commentary on, you know, in the fourth one, Dewey and Gail were still together um, mm-hmm. in, in movie lore. But Courtney Cox and David Arquette had been divorced by that time. So obviously a meta commentary now on them being separated because they are in this movie. Um, yeah. You know, David, uh, you know, had a battle with substance abuse earlier in his life. Um, and watching all the interviews that I did with him, I was just yeah. like, oh, man, like, I just want to like, he seems so sweet. Um, you know, it's just like the, the interview he did with Dead Meat specifically, he just seemed like such like a nice guy. And Dewey's character has always been yeah. my perception of him because he's yeah. always wanted to do the right thing. And he always gets caught up and always gets stabbed a bunch, but he always survives <laughs> um, and always looking out for, you know, for for Gail and, and Sydney. And the way that he's kind of the connecting between the two, um, yeah. which was always great. And, yeah, I love his character in this film um, and the way they brought him back um, because Richie and Sam uh, go to uh, talk to Dewey because they want help in terms of what's going on. Um and this is where we get one Easter egg before we get into the whole plot of what's going on here with visiting Dewey. Um, there's actually um, an urn with Tatum's ashes in his trailer. Um, so I think that's the first thing um, that shows on screen that he's still 
is connected to his sister, because I don't think Tatum is brought up outside of the first one, if I'm remembering correctly again. So he still remembers Tatum and still has a memorial to her um, in his home, which I really liked. Um, But yeah, I love that, you know, they're kind of going to him in this kind of in like a Randy way in terms of like what's going on here. Like Dewey is carrying that mantle of like, all right, everybody's (laughs) a suspect. Like who's the first person you look at? Oh, you look at the love interest. Yeah. Um, And at this point in the movie, that fucking jackass walked into the theater and spoiled it. Well, I'm sorry for your troubles. Yeah. Anyway, that's the last we can talk about it. Um, but yeah, I really, I really love this because um, he catches the, the the new characters up to speed, gets the audience mm-hmm. up to speed, and we get some good character development with him. You know, we see that Gail has moved to New York and she's now yeah. the the lead desk host on a morning talk show, and he's just kind of trying to figure out what's going on um, and. Yeah, uh, I love this interaction here. He then calls uh, Sydney, and we get the the awesome line of, "I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course, I got a gun." And I'm like, badass, yeah. like hell yeah, she's ready to go. Um, and then he's and you see the internal struggle with him of like, do I text her? What do I text her? And yeah. it's funny because he's like, "Oh, I should have sent that smiley face." Because it's like, there's a killer in Woodsboro. Just be aware. Hope you're doing well, smiley face. And I'm like, dude, it's so it's so real. It feels so authentic. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I think he said like, "There's the killer. Like, don't come here. Hope you're doing well, smiley." Yeah, I like, love that. Shit, why did I say that? I know, but like, it's also it's awesome too because like that's the thing you should be doing. You shouldn't be telling Sydney and Gail, who have always been targets of every killer. Mm-hmm. to come back to the town where everything started. Like, stay away from here. Don't come back here. Um, which I really, really liked. Dewey reluctantly obviously joins up because he feels like he has a duty to do so. Obviously the yeah. former uh, sheriff of the town and stuff like that, and he's been through everything. So um, he joins up with Richie and Sam, which I appreciate. Um, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I got like some like Han Solo vibes. I don't know if it's like David Arquette and, and Harrison Ford look alike in their old age, but like that's how I felt was like, okay, he's like the Han Solo, like in the way that he came back in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I didn't think about it originally, but I, I see what you're saying. I just love um, doing so much. I know we do. Um, but yeah, so he does eventually decide he's going to help Mindy and the friend group. Um and or he's gonna help um the friend group but then he goes to mindy's house where they all are and this is when we find out why vince was targeted i guess they're kind of just like all right let's figure out the formula like why is this person attacking us what are our similarities here and is anyone kind of related to the ogs and this is when we kind of just get dumped on us that vince is Stu's nephew. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I guess. Like, sure. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of random. Yeah, it was definitely a little random. Definitely wasn't the huge plot device that they'd set up because it's a big it's a big bombshell, right? Yeah. Um, but um one, I love this I love this scene as well because again, Jasmine kills it playing the Randy character of like explaining yeah. what's going on. She's the one who gave us the requel line. Terms of, and she even <laughs> name drops Halloween 2018 and stuff like that. So it's it's awesome. Um, yeah. Heather Matazaro um, is also back. Uh, obviously, she's um, their mother uh, and is Randy's sister. 
mm-hmm. um, and she was Randy's sister in the second one. So, again, like this movie feels like it was made by fans of the franchise and mm-hmm. respected it, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, the finger pointing again starts. Who did it? Could have been you. Like, what are the connections here? Um, mm-hmm. And then. What is it? Uh, Wes says something to Dewey and is like, maybe you're the killer because you're sad and all this type of stuff. And Dewey's like, well, maybe you're the killer because that just cut deep. And I was like, oh, God, stop hurting his feelings. I know that made me laugh really hard, too. I feel like this movie has, is such a good combination of funny horror gore, just obviously very meta, but... There are some really, really funny lines. Mm-hmm. And some people were complaining about the amount of, or the the lack of comedy in the movie. I thought it was really. I thought the balance was there. I didn't think Me it was too. overtly funny, uh, but the lines that they did have never like broke you out of immersion with like right. In the same way that Marvel does it, like people criticize Marvel all the time for like the catchy, stupid one-liners in the middle yeah. of a big, tense moment. So um, I thought it was well done here. Um, and yeah, the the whole kind of conversation um, at the Meeks Martin ha- uh, household uh, ends with Sam being accused of being the killer because why not? You know, she's yeah. the daughter of of Billy Loomis. Like that's a good suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, immediately I'm like, okay, maybe it could be her, and maybe it could be Richie. Maybe they they came back together to do something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, but from there, uh, we get. One of my favorite, if not my favorite moment in the movie, uh, which is uh, Judy and Wes's kill scenes. Yeah. Um, these are so well done. Uh, and this is like, this is like some of the best kills in screen history, in my opinion. Like these two moments are so good um, because uh, Judy goes out uh, after being at home with Wes. And Wes goes to take a shower. Um, and while Judy is out in her car, she gets a call from Ghostface um, and immediately says, like, hey, I'm going to kill your son. So she comes speeding home. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in a parallel, like, talking about Judy first, she's speeding home, running through town, kind of freaking out because she's worried that Wes is about to die. Um, and as she gets to the door, Ghostface actually surprises her in the middle of the day on the front yeah. porch and stabs her and kills her right there. Which obviously Scream is known for having kills in, in broad daylight, but this one was heavy. This one was really well done when you consider oh, yeah. the parallels of everything that was going on with Wes, because he dies on the other side of the door. So neither of them know their, their yep. the other one's fate, which is so sad and like heartbreaking. Um, and I love how Wes's whole scene in the house is predicated on like. Fake jump scares. I was like, yeah, and it's just going back and forth, and then it ties in with Judy being surprised, yeah, outside of the house, which is awesome. And then Wes's death is gory and super good, and I think it was practical. I didn't see much CGI, but he gets stabbed through the the side of the neck. Great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, you make a good point with the kills. None of them are obviously they're not real, but none of them look fake. They don't look like. I mean, we were talking last week. Final Destination 3D oh, yeah. and how everything was so so CGI'd. Um, this did not feel like it at all. It looked really really real and yeah it was really gory. I really did love this scene as well. 
and I feel like there was a lot of suspense, but it wasn't as much scary suspense as it was just like thrilling. You're like, oh my god, what what is what's gonna happen? And I don't know if it's part of it just it being daylight, but also just like it being fun not to be weird, like, because of course they do die, but it's just fun. It's not terribly horrific and I don't know how, but it's not. Yeah, because, you know, it, Scream has never been the most overtly gory franchise ever. There have been yeah. some gory kills, like Tatum's one, for example. Yes. Um, you know, the opening scene in this one is pretty gory with, like, Tara getting stabbed through, like, the ankle and stuff like that, and um, they're all really well done uh, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is a super heartbreaking kill scene. I was like, damn, I kind of didn't want Dylan to die right here. I know. Up until then, I was like, he still could be Ghostface. And then I was like, all right, well. Yeah, maybe it, it might have been too predictable to leave him as the red herring up until the, fu- the finale of the movie and just kill him off then when the big reveal yeah. happens or something like that. Um, but I also, I can't, I'm, apologies for not remembering the YouTuber's name, but he had predicted that it was going to be Judy and Wes as like a mother-son combo, hmm. which would have been super interesting and kind of on board with because I like Judy's evolution as a character in this movie, um, even though she's not in it for much, you know. Yeah. I like get away from like the, the, the red herring that she was in the fourth one, especially with that. You remember that stupid like color grain filtering they did on the screen? The movie looks fake, the fourth one. Like the the lighting on it or whatever, it looks really weird. Um <laughs> But anyway, that's a side point. Um, <laughs> like this one, I was like, damn, like that's so sad the way they died. I know. Um, but it does come with a little bit of a relief in this moment because as two characters uh, die, another legacy shows up because Gail uh, is there on the scene, mm-hmm. obviously reporting, doing what she does best, <laughs> writing the books and all that type of stuff. Gail Weathers, like one of the most like badass, like out there go get them go get them go get her go get her yeah, yeah go get her uh <laughs> you know women in horror um and we got an awesome scene here explaining between dewey and gail what kind of happened uh in their relationship um, yeah and i love the vulnerability from dewey being like i couldn't cut it i couldn't hack it in new york i had to go back like i didn't want to hold you down and weigh you down and, um i thought it explained everything it was good got Gail onto yeah. the scene um, figuratively, figuratively and literally speaking um, but yeah no this this again movie doesn't really dip at all it's well paced yeah around. yeah I think the pacing is really good and like you said you know they explain why they broke up in so many words and it's quick and it's not plot dump and it was nice because it's one of those breakups where it's like they could have worked it out and maybe they still can. It kind of gave me some hope just because it's one of those like, Oh, it was long distance. It wasn't like they fell out of love. It was just circumstances. So when that always happens, I'm like, all right, they're getting back together. Like, you know, whether it's Woodsboro or somewhere else, like they're going to be together. Yeah. And sad. It's definitely sad. Um, But yeah. So while they're there, um, there was an interaction earlier on in the movie when they first went to the hospital to visit Tara that one of the, they, you know, complaining about the amount of security that she had and they were going to move her to a separate floor. Um, but when Sam arrives outside of uh, the Hicks's house, uh, she notices that the one cop that she recognized from the hospital, and they're all there. They're all at the murder scene. And who is guarding Tara? Who should be the number one, like, okay, we should probably protect the girl who was first yeah. targeted. But also there's other townspeople. Either way, bad police planning here, one way or the other, yeah. uh, to send all the units 
to well, I guess also she is the sheriff, right? So she is the ranking officer. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's like calling other uh, someone else. I don't know. I don't another know. town, more backup. More backup is definitely needed. I feel like if there's <laughs> any murder in Woodsboro whatsoever, there should be yeah. backup from every town in the surrounding area to Woodsboro mm-hmm. immediately. Um, but Sam is like, oh crap, who's watching my sister? So um, her, Richie, and Dewey go to the hospital. Um, and while they're there, um, Ghostface, uh, you know, some of the scenes are in the trailer for this one, uh, goes back to attack Tara at the hospital. This scene is also super tense because Tara's like, screw this, I'm out of here. Which, which is like the right mindset, but also not considering her state. Um, you know, she unplugs like the IVs and stuff. She's like, I'm yeah. Out of here. Um, and she's like struggling to get herself in a wheelchair and the pain. And Jenna Ortega does an awesome job at portraying what's going on. Um, but she's being stalked by Ghostface, and it's like super scary. And I really liked it. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, in this moment, at the right time, um, the the trio show up and they're able to save uh, save the day. Um, there's a big fight scene. Uh, Dewey seems to get the other hand, uh, the upper hand. Yeah. Because he's like, not today. And then I was like, okay. And he like pushes Ghostface into like a. Uh, uh, cabinet or something glass yeah, yeah. Um, and shoots shoots Ghostface a couple times and you're like oh wow that's it okay and they go to leave the hospital and Dewey being Dewey the smartest you know carrying on a legacy as these characters should you're like gotta yeah. go back I gotta go shoot him in the head they're always they're not dead until you shoot him <laughs> in the head so Richie Tara and Sam go down the elevator and Dewey goes back over to finish the, finishes the job loads his revolver again i love everything it's smart filmmaking the characters are smart they know what they're doing especially someone like dewey um and as he's about to shoot Ghostface in the head Ghostface is not dead stands up and stabs dewey and not only stabs dewey in the stomach and starts to rip up his insides Mm-hmm. also stabs Dewey in the back and while this is going on and why he got distracted his phone rang and it was Gail on the other line and the phone is ringing on the floor as he's dying and Ghostface says yes today which I thought was a little corny and a cheesy of a line yeah yeah um, but it's like visceral this moment of and seeing the pain that he is in and like the two knives look super badass and yeah. He falls to a ground, bloodied, and uh, that is it. Ghostface utters, it's an honor, which is a badass line. Yeah, that, that line was slapped. better. That line yeah. slapped. Yes, today was a little goofy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Dewey dies. And I teared up a fuck ton. I was so sad. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I cried. This is, yeah, like I told you, I was like, I cried in it because it was sad. And you were like, oh, fuck, what? Yeah, yeah this is it. It was, it's hard because, like, you're, like, you described, it's such an epic scene. I really, really loved it. And it wouldn't have been as effective if it wasn't an OG character, but I just hated that it was because Dewey, what the hell? Yeah. Why now? Like, he almost died a million times. Why now? I know. <laughs> It also is, in some sense, like the perfect OG character to kill off because, again, he was the backbone of of Sydney and Gale. 
So yeah, like, and Scream has always been about like women empowerment and strong women characters in yeah. every uh, every entry. Um, and I feel like this death will bring the two characters even closer together. And we do see them team up, and they're awesome mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie. But man, this like hit my childhood hard. Like this is what I talk about with the Han Solo stuff because they obviously yeah. spoilers kill Han in the Force Awakens, and I'm way past spoiler warnings. If you got spoiled by that, get out of here. Um, yeah. But that's why I was like, no, <laughs> it's just like so sad. And then seeing Gail's reaction, and and then Sydney shows up. It's like God fucking damn it radio silence like you did you do you're doing it you're doing the damn thing and you're doing good i know yeah i think i didn't cry immediately but then when seeing sydney and and gail together and just knowing that dewey's gone now that's what made me cry and i'm glad that they did uh kill off an original character just because they're not trying to like protect i feel like a lot of this movie is I don't want to see fan service because that's it has a negative connotation, but it is giving fans what they want, but it's not being safe. I think that it was a, a good thing that they killed someone off from the original movie, even though it, it really sucks. It's just like, all right, they're not playing around. You don't know what's going to happen, even if a lot of it is, is satisfying. Yeah. And before we, you know, this is kind of the end of the second act here. Cause that's when, when Sydney shows up and we can take our, our second break. But um, like you mentioned with not being safe, yeah. These three kind of like they're bored on the line of like being invincible. Like, yeah. Do we get stabbed a bunch? Sydney gets stabbed a bunch. You do the fake out death with Sydney in the fir- in the fourth one, um, and the fake out. Well, not really a fake out with Gail in the fourth one, but she gets attacked in the fourth one uh, yeah. as well, which is the most recent one. So, yeah, I think someone had to die. Um, and as much as we didn't want any of the three to die, I feel like Dewey is, like, the perfect pick for what they wanted to tell with their story. Um, yeah. Because, like, if they killed Gail, I don't know. I was like, that would be kind of so out of left field. Yeah. And I feel like um, just for the just for what the story they've been telling and the way of being respected to the respect, respectful to the fans, like you mentioned, Dewey was the perfect one to kill off. Um, and, yeah, I wonder if, like, that's, like, why, like, David Arquette is, like, kind of looked a little melancholy in some of his interviews because he's like, I'm dying in this one. Like, this is the end of yeah. it for me. I was like, God damn it. Like, this is my childhood. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. And I, I think, too, kind of to your point of Gail and Sydney uh, teaming up, I think um, Dewey's death wasn't for no reason. Like, it really opened up this connection between Gail and Sydney and really strengthened them and made them like a really, really, really powerful duo who I just love. I love them so much. It's awesome. So his death wasn't in vain. It's really, really terrible. And RIP. Yeah, RIP indeed. Um, and yeah, the second act closes with Sydney arriving um, and basically kind of consoling Gail for what happened. Obviously, Gail consoling her for what happened and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but Sydney's like, all right, no nonsense, no, no, no messing about here. It's like, all right, like, hey Sam, I know what's kind of going on, like, time to kill Ghostface. And <laughs> Sam's like, I'm gonna run. We're leaving town. Yeah. Um, and I love Sydney's lines, like, I, there's no running, and I have a kid at home, so I'm not going to be able to sleep easy until this guy or girl or whoever it is is yeah. in the ground. Um, which I was like, dope, like perfect mindset that's how Sydney Prescott should be acting in the fifth one mm-hmm. of a movie like this um, and she's taken the fight to Ghostface 
um, which is which is dope. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. I really love that line about like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're going to run. You were targeted. It's you now. So welcome to the club. And like, I know what to do. We're going to do this. But of course, Sam doesn't know what's going on. She can't predict, uh, you know, Ghostface's motives. So yeah, she decides to leave town with Richie and Tara. And I mean, it's a logical decision, but we know these movies, it's not going to work out. Yep. Definitely. So let's take our final break and then we'll get into all the craziness that happens next because there's a lot that happens. So we'll be right back. Okay. So (laughs) there's just so much that happens. And I've read like kind of critiques about it being rushed in the end and just like being way too fast paced, which I don't agree with. I don't think it was rushed. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's pretty much set up well. Um, As they're fleeing town, um, Tara's like, oh, hey, I need my inhaler. I don't have one. She has asthma. Um, Mm -hmm. It's explained at the beginning of the movie. Um, So I need to go back. um, And she thinks that there's one at Amber's house. um, So that's where they plan to go. Um, And while that's going on, all of the friends and the friend group in the high school, uh, they all want to throw a party um, for the death of Wes, um, which... Is, never a good idea. No, never a good idea at all to throw a party when there's a killer about. Um, but one thing that kind of, I think when I was watching Jamie Kennedy's reaction to it, I think that's where he caught it, was that that's why Dylan Minnette's character was named Wes. They were throwing the party and it's a bit meta that they're celebrating Wes Craven's life while also celebrating Wes's life at the party, which, mm-hmm. you know, was cool. Um but, you know, as the party's going on, a lot of people, a lot of suspicions being thrown about. Very reminiscent of the first one, which was cool. Yes. Um, you know, there's some fun lines about, I'll be right back. And, you know, you never go into the basement <laughs> alone. You know, the very important rules. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you're if you're a screen fan, as they're wandering about, you know what house they're at. You know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not shown till later. But, you know, you know what house they're at. Um and yeah, there's some really good lines here from all the characters because this is where stuff starts to devolve when we're getting to our big crescendo of, of who Ghostface is. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I almost called him Mason. Uh, Chad and, and Liv, you know, Liv is like, let's go upstairs. And Chad's like, I don't really know because you might be the killer. And like, it's funny because like, you know, stereotypical horror characters are like, okay, cool. Yeah, the jock definitely wants to go upstairs and have sex with his girlfriend. Yeah. He's again, he's a Meeks, so he's like, eh, maybe not. You might be the killer. And that really upsets her, and she goes wandering off. um, Yeah. Which reminded me of Trevor in the fourth one because they assume Trevor's the killer towards Mm -hmm. the end of the movie as a red herring. Um, And then Amber and Mindy have an awesome exchange in the basement that's very much kind of like Tatum esque from the first one. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. As uh, as Sydney and Gail kind of show up, and there's you know a big revelation as well with Sam on the phone trying to figure out what's going on um, because Sam and Richie show up and <laughs> Richie does it all like, "Hello, Gen Zers, the party is over, time to leave," and he's getting bullied on the way out, which I thought was hilarious. Um, just like totally, his, his whole character is so good. Jack Quaid, kills yeah, him. Um, yeah, definitely, and um, yeah, you know. Sam gets a call from, I believe, Sydney. Um, and is like, you got to get out of there. Oh, because they're... Tr- right. Sydney 
put a tracking device on the car, <laughs> on the car which is like a little creepy, but also a yeah. city Prescott. She can do whatever she wants. Um, and they realize, lo and behold, with this awesome zoom out shot from the trailer of Sam being in the doorway of the open house, um, it's Stu Mocker's house. Mm-hmm. So Amber lives at Stu Mocker's house. Not creepy at all. Why would anyone want to live there? <laughs> I don't know. It was on sale. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we do get some more attacks that happen here. Um, Chad gets kind of chased because he goes off to look for Liv. Um, mm-hmm. And this scene was awesome. Um, and this is where I kind of started to su- suspect Tara being one of the ghost faces somehow. Or at least the mastermind maybe behind all this. Because there's a parallel with her in the beginning of the movie you, trying to push the buttons on her phone and mm-hmm. blood going all over the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a moment where Chad is being chased by Ghostface and he's having trouble using his phone because of the blood on his hands. So this is a crazy theory, but I was like, wow, maybe Tara was testing out if you could use your phone with blood on your hands. And I was like, that's a crazy fucking theory. (laughs) But I just had to throw it out there. Um, But this whole scene is awesome because he's like trying to play peekaboo and avoid Ghostface. Because mm-hmm. Ghostface is tracking him via kind of like find my iPhone. Yeah. Um, but then Ghostface pops out from the shed and Chad's trying to like hobble away and he's like, no, please, no, no, no. And I'm like, fucking dope. Another good scene. Yeah. No, yeah, that one was really strong. And it seemed, I mean, I thought he was dead at that point. So I was like, damn, but they're not playing around. People are just dying left and right. So cool. Let's do it. One thing that did annoy me, it makes sense when you know the big reveals at the end but it annoyed me how when uh sam richie and tara get to the house and they're having the big party and everything and tara's just like i need my inhaler um they're just like all right yeah let's just end the party and then you can get the inhaler i would be like go run upstairs and grab it and then i'm gonna leave you can continue your party i don't give a fuck just give me the inhaler so we can leave right now like there was no urgency it was just like yeah, I need my inhaler. All right, just keep, like, you know, end the party, and then we'll find it together. Like, she's like, it's in your room. Like, yeah, go get it, maybe. Obviously, Tara can't, like, run up the stairs, but someone else could. I don't know. It makes sense why they didn't want to do that. But it, I don't know. There was just, I they had this sense of urgency to get out of town, and then out of nowhere, they're like, all right, we can chill here for now. You know what that tells me? is that these kids were not raised in households where they had to be at the airport at a certain time. You know when, like, your parents are like, yo, we got to be out. Like, we're out the door at this time, packing. Yeah. You know, didn't have that experience in life. Or maybe they did, but that's not what I took away from it. But because I was spoiled in terms of what happened, I could catch on as to what was going right, on now. Right, right. It and, makes sense now. Right. Um, but, yeah, so Chad is attacked. Mindy is attacked. This is awesome parallel. And, like, super extremely meta moment. Like, one of the most meta moments in the movie where Mindy is recreating Randy's scene from the first one when Randy is watching Jamie Lee Curtis and telling her to turn around. But Mindy is watching the stab version of Randy. It's so meta that it just was like, it's just almost too much for my brain to handle. Um, yeah, I really liked it, though. I was, like, really, like, on the edge of my seat, like, oh, this is so cool. I was really hoping they were going to do something like that, just because from the original movie, it's so iconic. I mean, I love that scene. And so, yeah, I'm really glad they included it. It was really fun. Yeah, and it has the updated 
you know, twist on it that obviously in the first one, you know, Randy's like, turn around, Jamie, turn around. And Ghostface is like about to kill him. And he's like, actually, I'm going to go do something else. Um, (laughs) And same thing in this one, except this time Ghostface does attack Mindy and Mindy gets stabbed. um, And then, yeah, things start to devolve rapidly because everyone is starting to say, who's the killer? Liv shows back up and fingers are being pointed and people are being stabbed at the house and nobody knows what's going on. And then bang, we get our first ghost face reveal, um, which is awesome. And then the way this character further evolves in the next like 15 (laughs) minutes of the movie is so good. Um, But there had been seeds, seeds planted that Amber was suspicious. She was jealous. of Yeah. Too close of a best friend. Right. Yeah. Jealous and, and worried about Sam and, wanting to protect Tara and all that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, again, they keep assuming Liv is the killer for some reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it turns on her. Be- and uh, Amber is like, ha, ha, no, you're not the killer <laughs> because I am. And then she pulls out a gun and blows Amber uh, Liv's, like, brains away. Like, fucking bang. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> um, I know. I really love this just because right when that happened, you're like, all right, here we go. Now it, the, like, the ending is starting and we're getting all the reveals and crazy shit's going to happen. Yeah, Amber was someone that I was like, all right, yeah, maybe it could be her because she's maybe like obsessed with Tara. Maybe she's in love with Tara. She was mad about Wes. Like, I don't know, millions of reasons it could have been. So I had it in my head she was she could be one of them. But it still doesn't take away the shock factor of someone just being like, I'm the killer and shooting someone. Yeah. And some people like that didn't really land for me. I was like, nah, that was effective. I appreciated that. I loved it. Yeah, it for was, sure. It devolved right in front of their eyes. Like the shock horror of finding out the killer is who, you know, they say they are right there. And then mm-hmm. it was really cool. You know, friends start to scatter. Time to run away because it's crazy. There's a killer. Yeah, it's going down now. Um, and as this is happening... Um, uh, Gail and Sydney show up. Um, and I love this so much. It's so good. Um, you know, they load up the pistols, they're ready to go. Um, so yeah, she's Sydney Prescott. Of course, she has a gun. How only does she have one gun? She's got two guns. Um, and I love like this, like, load them up moment. And Sydney's like, You ready? And Gail's like, For this? Nah, never. Um, And they start to walk towards the house, and there's this awesome shot of Stumacher's house, and it's like going back to where it all began and all that type of stuff. Um, And then out comes Amber. Um, And again, I don't think if Amber was played by anybody else, this character would have, like, hit so hard. Yeah, Um, I agree. Mikey Madison is amazing um, in this role. Um, and she runs down. She's like, I've been stabbed. I've been attacked. Oh, no. Uh, and Sydney and Gail look at each other and they're like, what do you think? And they're like, nah, probably a trap. And, and in that moment, Amber's like, nah, fuck this. And then there's just a shootout starts. And I was like, what? I know. It was so, this was just so good because, yeah, it's really, really fast paced. Like, Amber comes out and Sydney and Gail are just like, nah and I just cracked up because they've done this a million times it's like just the formula and like everyone knows how these movies go except for kind of whoever the victim is I guess and it was just hilarious but yeah sadly um, Amber is able to shoot Gail and I was like there's no way she's dying like absolutely not I'm not going to take this fortunately she does not which we'll see her later 
Um, and then we find out who the second killer is. Yeah. Uh, the big reveal, once <laughs> Sydney gets in the house, um, is that Richie was the accomplice all along. It was Richie and Amber. Um, and, you know, if you're out there saying, oh, I called it from the beginning, good for you. Like, <laughs> what do you want? No, no praise. Like, congratulations. Um, but yeah, that's what the guy said. He goes, the boyfriend's the killer. And I was like, Okay, there's two boyfriends that I know in this yeah. movie right now. It could either be Chad or it could either be Richie. And my money... Or Wes, really. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. he had died already? No, Wes was alive. But Wes was dating Amber? <laughs> I don't think... No, he had a crush on Tara. So, like, they weren't actually dating. Right. But he could be, like, considered a love interest, maybe. Yeah. I thought the mo- it would be too bold for them to make one of Randy's... Uh, n- like, his niece or his nephew... Uh, the killer that would be yeah. really really bold <laughs> um but yeah so the boyfriend richie it's richie and amber um sam yeah. gets stabbed um and then sydney gail and sam are all taken into the um the kitchen very much in the same way the first one where yeah where billions do kind of reveal their plan you know your mother was no sharon stone <laughs> hit me with the phone <laughs> Um, and yeah, so you get the motive, right? And what is the motive? Um, the motive is that Richie and Amber are both obsessive fans of the Stab franchise. And the meta commentary here is toxic fandom in all facets of any entertainment or sports or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. Richie and Amber, uh, or Richie, wants to make a better Stab movie. And how to do that? To create a killing that will be better material because there's been a running joke in in the fifth one that all the stab movies after a certain point have been garbage because of time travel and certain stuff. Yeah. They yeah. even go as far to say the guy who did Star Wars ruined stab, which is Ryan Johnson. Like That was hilarious. But like also perfect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm that person with that movie. I hated that movie. But like I get it. It makes total sense. People were crapping on this motive. I was like, nah, this motive. They were saying it's too close to the original one. Or sorry, the fourth one, rather. Um, and uh, no, I mean, really. No, I don't see it. Because Emma Roberts' character wanted to be famous. She, yeah, she's a cousin, she, right? Yeah, she wanted to be the, the star of the new Stab movies. Yeah. Richie and Amber just want to make a better movie. Yeah, so, no, it's different. Um, I... I appreciated their modem. I thought their their modem was the modem motive uh, was good. Yeah, their computer modem. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I'm questioning, and I don't, do they reveal it? How do they know each other from uh, the message boards or like yeah, Reddit? Or something? Yeah, okay, they, yeah, they met online. And Amber obviously was she became obsessive because they moved into Stu Mocker's house. Yeah, and she was able to figure it out that way. And Richie and they were just they met that way and planned everything out. Um, I believe that then. Reddit and the internet is a toxic place, and so I believe it. Okay, yeah, got so it. Yeah, so they want to reboot the franchise or you know, create a requel. They want to create better source material for the people who make the Stab movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's a great line where he says, like, uh, this is my movie, or like, there will be in my movie or something like that. And like, I believed it. Like, toxic yeah. fandom is a thing. Oh, yeah. This was really believable. And I think, too, I mean, Jack Quaid did a good job, like we said, but Mikey Madison, she's just really, really good at playing unhinged characters. And I believe that, I believe she's, like, 
crazy in real life. She's not, but she's just such a good actress that I'm like, I can't imagine you being normal at this point. So she was fantastic. And they were both just really, really scary and creepy. And it both, it seemed like they would do like even worse things just to make their movie and just to, you know, carry out this plan that they have. And also part of it, they're trying to, um, they're trying to frame Sam and their whole movie. They want it to be like, well, Sam's the daughter of Billy. So she went on this rampage and she's a serial killer and ghost face and everything like that, which it, it checks out. I mean, it does really seem like they were like, all right, let's write a script of a movie and then let's just make it happen. Yeah. And people would, would do this. Sadly, it's just obsessive people. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, the whole plan is to blame it on Sam who is, obviously the daughter of Billy Loomis because in his mind, what better way to write a movie than with <laughs> the, the unknown daughter of Billy Loomis to come and do killings in, in Woodsboro again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love, love the motive. Um, love the story here between, between the two killers. Um, and yeah, then, you know, obviously they have to get the upper hand on the killers because it's not the way the movie's going to end. Um, yeah. And, uh, Amber gets kind of one-upped by Sydney and Gail um, in a moment where she's able to shoot Amber. And also they turned on the stove. Yeah, this uh, is really, really quick, but really cool. Yeah. Um, so they shoot her and then she ends up face first on the stove and gets burned, which is also like kind of similar to the way that Stu dies. Um, I thought they were going to do like a flat screen TV kill. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't, though. So I appreciated that she was still killed in the same manner of living in Stu's house and dying mm -hmm. via the appliances one way or the other. For now, I should say. Yeah. Um, but I was like, yo. Um, because there's a moment where they get, you know, uh, they are able to turn the tables on her and she immediately flips and is like, no, 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 please don't hurt me. I was, I was radicalized by the internet and all that. And I was like, yo. like, Fuck this girl. Like, Yes, but also that's hilarious. Like yeah. being radicalized by the internet as that's your your excuse. And then she flips instantly again because Gail's like, You killed Dewey. And Amber's like, Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, Whoa. Like, Mikey Madison fucking killed it. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, so she gets her face burned, uh, and that's her dispatched for a while. Um and then Sydney goes on kind of a hunting spree in the house. Um, and I didn't pick up on this. I don't remember who said it. Mm -hmm. Again, there's another YouTuber I was watching. But she obviously shoots all the doors. Yeah. Um, and this I was, didn't realize why. Yeah, this is before the, the Richie stuff. Sorry to explain this. But apparently why she shoots the doors is because that's all the places where I think Billy was hiding in the first one or something like that. Okay. I think there was some connection to it in the first one. I can't remember what it was exactly, but... There had to be a reason, because it seemed very random. And I was like, huh, okay, sure. I don't know what she's doing, but okay, next thing. Yeah. Um, but so that... Sorry, that was earlier on. Um, so then, um, you know, Richie and, and Sam have a whole kind of tussle that goes on. Um, and in this moment... She sees a vision of her dead father, her dead serial killer father, um, <laughs> and is, like, urging her on yeah. to be like, hey, 
uh, egging on, I was trying to say, to be like, hey, kill her or kill him. Like, turn turn the knife against the person who's trying to kill you. And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a little weird. It's just weird because it's like she's getting, I guess, advice from him and it's like sweet but he's not sweet or someone that like she didn't have a relationship with him at all. Yeah. So this part got a little weird, but I mean, it just had to happen for her to realize, Oh, there's a knife here. Now I can do this. Yeah. No, very weird. Um, (laughs) But um, in that moment, when she flips that switch and decides to kill Richie, Holy hell, this was brutal. Yeah, she goes off. I did not think that was going to happen. Yeah, she, like, I'm not talking, like, stab, stab, stab. I'm saying stab, 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 stab. Yeah, but, like, thank God, because it always happens too often, not in these movies, but in horror movies, where they're, like, stab him once, shoot him once. Apparently, in Halloween Kills, they shot him 20 times, and it didn't matter, so... Yeah. This you you just have to do it five hundred times because they're you know it's meta they're making fun of other movies definitely um, and yeah he gets uh, he gets stabbed a bunch um, and then Sydney and Gail show up um, after being like oh um, you know you got to shoot him in the head and then <laughs> Sam's like whatever give me the gun and then she shoots him a bunch yeah multiple times yeah so job done he dead. Um, yes. And then Tara comes out. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, okay, time to get Tara. Um, but then obviously, if there's not going to be the jump scare of one of the killers still being alive, there's going to be the other killer. Um, and out comes Amber, <laughs> uh, scarred by the stove. Uh, and oh, my God. Her face. Her face. Um, but, you know, if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like straight out it's of the that. Same because, like, in that movie, <laughs> she gets like. Like, for one, it's such a weird thing to describe because she plays a member of the Manson family and Brad Pitt beats the shit out of her. Yeah. And, like, in self-defense, also the Manson family. Again, Yeah. this is very weird to describe. But she has this whole thing where she becomes, like, blind and starts just, like, freaking out and running around the house. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what happens in this, this one. This is very similar, yeah. when Because I knew I recognized her. I was like, I think that's the girl from the movie that I've seen before. But then kind of at the end of it, I was like, oh, shit, I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. Straight it was around. awesome. It was awesome. Um, and then uh, it is Tara who ends up putting the final bullet in her best friend. Um, and... This also didn't land for me because after she shoots Amber in the head, she goes, I still prefer the Babadook. Yeah. Also, just like, screw the Babadook. Like, I'm, just... I'm over it. I'm not that big of a fan. Yeah, it was a little corny of a one-liner. <laughs> just a little yeah. corny. But Especially the... because was Tara, like, cognizant and hearing them be like, we have to make a better movie? Like, did she even know the motive? I don't know. I don't think so. Because she was hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not the best one-liner. No. I don't even think it's better than Yes Today. I think Yes Today is kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess it made sense because he heard him say that. Or she, I guess if it was Amber, heard him say that. Right. And maybe so it made more sense. And, but Tara didn't know what was going on. So yeah, it didn't really make sense. Right. And how would Tara have known that Amber was the one who attacked her in the beginning of the movie when they were talking about elevated horror? So. No. 
Yeah, I don't know. It didn't necessarily land for me, but it didn't ruin the whole No. No, definitely not. Like, I forgot about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, you know, the medical services show up. Um, both Chad and yeah, Chad and Mindy are both revealed to have survived, which is good. I'm glad they didn't kill both Yay. of um, Randy's. Okay, so you have a niece and you have a nephew. What yeah. do you call? You it's, don't. It's not cousin, right? There's no like no. single term for describing kids of your uncle other than niece and nephew sister's kids your sister's kids yeah there you go i'm really (laughs) glad they didn't kill randy's sister's kids yeah (laughs) um but yeah no i'm glad that that his niece and nephew survived um i'm glad that uh tara and sam are now stronger and connected together as sisters which i really appreciate Mm -hmm. i'm glad both uh, yeah both they didn't die i'm like i'm glad we kind of kept it to one legacy character dying um even though judy is technically a legacy character in some sense yeah um and the whole kind of thing at the end with gail who's been this again go-getter like nothing's gonna stop me from doing what i want to do and getting the success that i believe i deserve yeah in the news world and she's like i'm not gonna write about this one because she has been writing books about the woodsboro murders and for forever in this story um mm-hmm. she says she's going to write a touching tribute to dewey which hopefully is a plot device in the second in the the next one in this new trilogy mm-hmm. they're doing um and then the movie ends uh with the cr- the classic uh scream font and it just says for wes and then the cast and the credit starts to roll yeah and uh yeah that's the movie i got emotional on the for wes yeah me too like I didn't cry, but I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> I, I I don't know what what his connection is with the, like newer generations, uh, you know, kids who are younger than us. Um, yeah. But you know, Scream and A Nightmare on Elm Street are two of the biggest horror franchises of all time. Oh um, yeah. Like, Ghostface is so popular and so easy to understand as a villain all of the characters who have played Ghostface and everything like that, um, that, and I, again, I have such a connection to this franchise that that also moved me. And then the yeah. further connection I found out that, it, you know, it, it might have been maybe too much of, like, meta, like, digging and trying to figure it out, but obviously the party for Wes, it could have been an homage. It might have been. I would love to ask Radio Silence. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, it had to have been. Yeah. There was no way they just named the character Wes for no reason. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's the movie. Um, now, before we get into kind of like final thoughts and everything like that, obviously it's a longer episode of the podcast. There are some things we haven't mentioned, some Easter eggs that I have to bring yeah. up. Yeah. Um, one. Let's hear so the first one, uh, there's a scene in which um, Sam and Richie are on their laptops watching YouTube trying to figure out what's going on with the killings. Now, before we come to the big one, which I like <laughs> marked out at as a fan, um, which is a, re- it's a wrestling term, um, which also James, is a, hu- James is a huge wrestling fan. So it makes <laughs> sense. Um, and Chelsea. Um, but uh, there's a thumbnail that someone caught on the, the computer screen that says that Kirby Reed played by Hayden Panettiere in uh, Scream 4 survived mm-hmm. that spree of killings. So, 
I'm yo bringing back Hayden Pants here if she wants to do Scream Six. Yeah, I was surprised she wasn't in this one, but yeah, she should be in the next one. Absolutely. Yeah, she was one of the, my favorite characters. She's probably the best character in the fourth one. So, I'm yeah, down. bring her back. Um, and then yeah, when they're watching the the <laughs> YouTubers that they're watching are a spoofed version um, of Dead Meat, but it's actually James and Chelsea, um, which I thought was so cool. And like, I loved it. Obviously, you and I are huge fans of the channel. My girlfriend's a fan of the channel. I don't know if anyone else in the theater knew what was going on, <laughs> but we did. And I was like, yo. For someone that like got hooked on that channel like two years ago mm-hmm. and like to see them grow and to get into Scream. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like awesome. Like you feel like a sense of like they made it. They did that. But also like James and Chelsea, like they're already huge to begin with, especially in the modern sense of what it means to be, you know, uh influencer yeah anything like that yeah in today's world you know dead meat has like 5.5 million subscribers i think um and you know they do other things they're awesome um they're getting married in like i think a week from now or something like that i'm trying to oh, wow. base it off the time frame because i watched their interviews with the cast and when they got to uh mason and jasmine mason goes james and chelsea have such huge fans of yours and i was like <laughs> whoa that is awesome and like they freaked out yeah um and then also radio silence are gonna be at their wedding oh really crazy um heather langenkamp is uh not moderating it what's the word officiating it there you go you've been really yeah heather langenkamp is doing it that's insane. I know. That's really awesome for them. Wow. I know. And there was like a whole funny bit that they had with Jamie Lee when they did Halloween Kills interviews. And <laughs> Jamie Lee was like, you can be the, or I think they asked Jamie Lee to be the backup just in case or something like that. <laughs> but it was really funny. That's funny. Um, so yeah, that was cool. If you're a horror fan and you caught that, good for you. And That was awesome. Yeah. It's cool that Radio Silence is going to be at their wedding because... I feel like James and Chelsea are definitely like a modern face of the horror f- fandom. Yeah, especially, yeah. Especially on YouTube. Uh, oh, totally. So that was super cool. Um, and yeah, um, man, <laughs> that's that's all I got for Easter eggs. Um, before we rate this movie, I think we have to kind of break it down. Yeah. Opening scene. Is it the second best opening scene you've ever seen for the for the franchise? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And where do you rank these ghost faces? Ghost face I, ghost face E. Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't know if it's recency bias or not. Just because I haven't seen the second and third one in a really long time. I kind of like the fourth reveal. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Do people like the fourth one with Emma Roberts? I... Like the reveal, not the movie. I think so. Uh, I liked it, but I think I like this one more. So I, this one is definitely up there. Yeah, the Scream 4 is definitely underrated, I think, um, in the grand scheme of everything. Um, I like that it was someone that was related to Sydney. And, yeah, me too. And, like, she wants to become the next Sydney. I appreciated that a lot. Um, except, which Culkin brother is it that plays her accomplice? I know, it's... Uh... It's not Rory. Is it Rory? No, I don't think it is because I had to IMDb him when I was just watching it. The other, <laughs> no, Rory's the other one. Um, 
Rory is, um, oh, is it? Is it Rory? Yeah, it is Rory. Okay, Kieran is the other one I'm thinking of, I think. Kieran is the one from Succession. Yes, and... He's older. Okay, wait, Succession? No, he's in, he's Scott Pilgrim. Well, he's and not Kieran. He's not Scott Pilgrim, but he's Scott Pilgrim's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, okay, I haven't seen Succession, so... I gotta watch it, I've been told. Um, it is Rory, yeah. So yeah, Rory, his he was probably the weakest of the accomplices, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not. Roman didn't have one. Roman was doing it all by himself in the third one. And then it was Billy's mother and Timothy Oliphant, who has that stupid dancing scene when mm-hmm. there's that musical number in the second one, which is really cringe. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I. This is one of the best motives I think in the franchise. Yeah. Um, and I would, maybe it's recency bias, and maybe it'll change in the future. But yeah, I think they're the best since since Billions too. Yeah, I think this one is similar to the original too, just because like obsessed with movies and you know all the fucked up shit that we see on in on TV. It's like it's that's not real life. Yeah. If you're doing this in real life, you're going to die, and there's going to be serious consequences. Yeah. The the thing I do appreciate about Emma Roberts' character is that she's the focal point of the movie, and mm-hmm. then her twist is supposed to be really shocking, because it is. Yeah, um, yeah. But I really liked Richie and Amber. Like, even though Amber is very much a side character, like, calling Amber as one of the ghost faces is a bit of a crapshoot. Like, I don't think... People would have suspected her right away. She's also a little bit of a red herring, I think, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way she flips when she shoots Liv, and then her flip-flopping between, I was radicalized, and oh yeah, I love yeah. gutting Dewey, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, Amazing. she's one of the stronger actors, I think, yeah. uh, to have played Ghostface. Definitely. Um, and yeah, uh so yeah, I'd say up there. As far as endings, I feel like most of them end kind of the same way. There's not too much to say about the endings. Yeah, I do want more. Mm-hmm. Give me a new trilogy. Why not? Right? Like, there was yeah. such apprehension about this movie, me included, right? Yes. Like, three weeks ago, I was like, crap, I'm worried. Um, <laughs> but after seeing what Radio Silence did, if they want to do two more, and hopefully they do, yeah. Do it. Like, you're telling me they can't create a viable sequel to this one and then a trilogy wrapping all three up? They 100% can. I think so, too. And this movie's killing it at the box office. It's killing it. No I know. Intended. I know. I wonder if it would be more effective to have another trilogy or to wait another 10 years, at least, to make another one. Because I do like how a lot of time had passed. Yeah. But at that point, how old will I know. They might be too old to do anything. Nev Campbell. (laughs) Not too old to act, but maybe too old to be killing people. Yeah. Uh, Nev is 48 and Courtney is 57. Yeah. They're probably sooner the better then. Three years. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Even though this movie was made pretty quickly. Yeah. So, I trust them. They want to do another one? Go for it. I'm down. I don't know what you're going to call it. (laughs) The final destination. Oh, wait, let's do another one. Stop it. Um, (laughs) Like, this is informally known as Scream 5. Yeah. But, like, you can't call it Scream 6, can you? I guess you could. 
Yeah, they probably should, just because none of them have had other names. Yeah, don't. So they're no, not gonna be like no scream kills. No subtitles whatsoever. <laughs> um, just put a number on it and let it rock. Um, but yeah, this this is one of the strongest horror franchises ever. I think so. Yeah, because remember when we did our whole. Um, I mean, we did our whole, did we do it for the bracket or I don't remember what we did it for, but basically just looking at all the horror movie franchises and there's so many bad ones and in the great horror franchises, but this one is pretty clean. Yeah. There's one godlike one, one very good one, one good one, one pretty good one. And then one One great one. No, one meh. Um, I'm I'm five. I'm at five already. Oh, I was going. I was. Are you going in order? Yeah, because so yeah, one is godlike. Two is pretty yeah. good. Three is yeah. meh. Yeah. Four is pretty good. Pretty good. Or I'd say two is good. Four is pretty good. Yeah. And five is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. So yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah, no, we were there. We just you know. We we're definitely not equipped to be Amber or Richie in these movies. We would not no. be able to sync up like that. No. Yeah. Probably for the best. Right. I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, oh, wait, are we revealing ourselves? Are we not? (laughs) What are we doing? But, yeah. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed our review of Scream 5. Now it's time to give it the big rating. I know. Out of 10. I already, so I talked to Brad, which is, for people listening, one of our bosses, and he was like, what do you give it out of 10? Because Max gave it this, so... I already know. I'm giving it a seven. Yeah, I'm giving it a seven as well. Okay. I thought you were going to change your mind by the time we recorded and said an eight. I think. I think eight's a little too high. Yeah. There are some things still. Like, this was a very glowing review we gave of this movie. I know. <laughs> and I still love this movie. But I think a seven is a solid answer. And also, like, I think you and I both understand that, like, you know, a seven ten isn't a bad thing, right? A, and he was like, "Why don't you just give it a seven point five? I remember this conversation now. And I was like, <laughs> "Because if you're going to give it a seven point five, you might as well give it an eight. You know, yeah. I say that all the time. And he's like, "I don't agree." And I was like, "Well, that's my rules. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you, Brad." <laughs> um, I am, I am very between a seven and an eight. I could go an eight. I don't know. It's it's back and forth, but I think there is just a too hard a layer of cheese. Yeah. And a lot of corniness that ugh, it's just like we didn't really need it. Like if we had to super nitpick, um, the visions of Billy are a little weird. Yeah. They're a little jarring. Um, we didn't need to bring him back. I love him, but that might have been a little too fan servicey. Did people want that? Like I, I don't didn't know. really want it. <laughs> like you could still get the point across that she was Billy's um, daughter mm-hmm. without, you know having the visions of him. Um, it would have been better if we... I think it would have been more effective if we... If there were, like, seeds dropped that he had an affair or cheated or maybe had a kid or something. Like, this very much felt like they'd made it up last year or whatever. It wasn't, like, a long game, you know? Yeah. Or just, like, leave... Like, drop the bombshell that she's Billy's daughter in the, in this one. And then the next yeah. one, maybe she starts to lose her mind because of what happened, and then she starts seeing visions of her dead father. Maybe mm-hmm. that would have been it. Maybe that's a better way to do it. But again, who knows if they're making another one. Um, yeah. There's that. Um, some of the one-liners in this are really corny. 
Yeah, some of the dialogue just in general isn't strong. Yeah, some of Sam's dialogue isn't that strong, which is kind of sad because she's the main character. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, I can't deal with this character in the beginning. It was just some of it was hard to watch. Yeah. Um, And then also I would give back that Amber's reveal is kind of shocking out of nowhere. And I did like it, but it also is a little bit of a a mark against it because it's like there's no like build up to it. It's just like, ha, boom, I'm the killer. Yeah. Maybe if you ask me a year from now, I'll like it more. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. I feel like it's usually pretty shocking. Yeah. Or else, you know, I don't know. They didn't do a good job then. Yeah. Plus, we're going, like, we're talking overall movie. Like, you have to grade all movies the same. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think that the nostalgia is what a huge driving factor into why we loved it. Right. If the first one's a 10 out of 10, this one can't be a 9 or an 8. No, yeah. Yeah, which I would say the sixth, the fourth, well, anyway, I'm not even going to get into it now. Because <laughs> next week we'll do a whole big retrospective on the series, which will be super exciting. There we go. Um, but yeah, a seven is a worthy grade. I think it's a, that's what it's at right now on some platforms like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, around the 70s. Yeah, know. I was just looking. It looks like, so the highest rated Scream is Scream 2 with an 81%. But Who the this? audience... Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is a 57. That was like the biggest, I think, um, difference between the critics and the audience. Interesting. And and then um, Scream, the original, has a... Uh, did I say sorry? Yeah, Scream 2 has an 81%. Scream, the original, has a 79%. And the audience score is also a 79%. So that was pretty spot on. Hmm. Scream 3 was pretty similar 41 percent for the tomato meter audience score was 37 percent and then scream 4 again was pretty similar the tomato meter was 61 percent with a 56 percent from the audience and then scream 5 has a 76 percent from critics and an 83 percent from audience yeah um, people like this movie yeah so it's pretty similar to what we're saying like a it would be like a c plus yeah, I think that's fair. Nah, B minus. I mean, yeah, C sounds terrible, but a seven doesn't. Yeah. B minus. Yeah, it's tough. An Eighty. Like a seventy-nine. But yeah, with that, that's how we grade that's our movies. So a C, isn't yeah, it? It's we're not seventy-nine. Yeah, seventy-nine to C. We're having a huge issue. No, C plus. Yeah, yeah. We're having a huge problem with this, and we're starting to undermine our own grading system. We need to stand <laughs> strong. It is seven out of ten. It is a seven. Perfect. But we love this movie. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it again. Same. Um, so, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed our review, and I hope everyone enjoys the movie as much as we did. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, definitely tune in for next week's episode. Like Max said, we're going to be looking back at the franchise as a whole, which is super exciting because we both have a lot of love for it as we were just getting into. So be sure to check back in with us next week. Hopefully everyone who's listening has seen Uh, the newest Scream, or we'll have seen it by next week. Definitely enjoy it, and we'll see you in a week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.